Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for you. We're thankful for this worship team that uh, sings from a place of humbleness and humility where they just want your name to be magnified. And we thank, thank you for being present with us. Remove any hindrances that would stop us from hearing from you. We want your name to be exalted. It's in Jesus' name we pray. She had uh, been filling out a lot of apps. To be exact, filled out 36 applications online. Out of those 36, received about eight short preliminary interviews, which led to two interviews with teams, all hoping to be able to get a position all hoping that in the midst of all of the people she was competing against, that she would be able to be chosen. Chosen. They were all lined up on the field. It was gym time. And the gym teacher comes out and says, okay, now we're about to play this game. And I'm going to pick two captains. Captain number one picks... (laughs) One of our little babies over there said, pick me. (laughs) And we pick two captains. And each captain now is going to choose teams. And in the gut of each kid is that hope that they're going to be chosen. They'll get picked, that they'll get a chance to be selected for a team. I don't know if you're an adult or if you are a child, but at some point in your life, you've wanted to be chosen. Today, as we dive into God's word, we will be looking at how the Lord has chosen us and how he hopes to use that selection, that choice to bring himself glory. Turn with me to John chapter 15. As you know, we've been in the the book of John delighting in God's word. If you need a Bible, uh, there's one at each door, or if you can scroll down onto your phone. We've been in our our book, John chapter 15, doing our series called Abide, where we are abiding in Christ. We get this early understanding of God the Father being the gardener, and Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches, and off of the branches we are to bear fruit, and that this gardener loves us so much that he would prune, that he would care for us, tend to us, and though pruning is something that can be a little bit uh, shocking to the system, it's for our ultimate good. We learn that because we are connected to who Jesus is, apart from that connection, separated from Jesus, we can do nothing. We have no abilities, no strength, no power to muster up fruit if we are set apart from Christ. We learn that it is important to not simply have your desires be the prayers that go up, but you line your desires with that of the Lord. 
that it's important to, to pray in God's name and, and see him respond, but he responds not because of the way we say it perfectly and the way we get it right, but he responds because his will is perfect and true, and we're willing to line up with his will, not demanding and telling his will to line up and approve our requests. And so in all of that, we have great joy. And that joy flows out of us in an expression of how we love one another. And so we get this great connection of as we are close and hold dear to Jesus, the one who provides us, the one who cares for us, the one who our sustenance flows from, out of us is this fruit that is visible, that is seen, that is loving. And now look at me. Look with me as we are getting ready to come to a close on our series of abiding. Look with me in verses 16 and 17. Chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I like how this uh, commentator named Boucher uh, puts these words. He says, it's absolutely crucial whenever discussing the subject of being chosen. It's a title called election, the subject of being chosen, uh, that, that you recognize that it is not a privilege to be chosen, but you were chosen for a purpose. Chosen for a purpose that as early as Abram left home to receive the blessing of God and his new name was given for the purpose of the nation. If you would with me, keep your finger in John 15, flip over to Genesis chapter 12. That's the first book of the Bible. We're going to look in chapter 12. A, a, a great example, right? A good, a good kind of snapshot. We want some models of the principle. If being chosen is so that you can fulfill a purpose, it's not being chosen just so you can get puffed up, but actually being chosen to fulfill a purpose. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, and it's going to be the 12th chapter. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Actually, it's beautifully. You can kind of see in other places of chapter 12, but... Verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It sounds to me, like Abram was selected for something bigger than just his own household. Sounds to me like he was selected for something greater than just being able to walk in the blessed lifestyle. How you doing today, Abram? Blessed and highly favored. It sounds like he was doing something a little bit bigger. 
It sounds like there was a, a, a community. There sounds like there was a legacy. There sounds like there was going to be a ripple effect for why Abram was chosen. Now, be careful. Because sometimes you read something in the Bible and you automatically apply it to you. You not Abram. I'm not Abram. God is not to establish a whole new people for his glory like he did Abram. But there is a lineage that flows from us. There is an effect. There is a, a ripple that flows from us. There are people who will be affected by us walking in our purpose. And so as God called Abram to do something for a purpose, he's calling you to something similar. I think of the, the, the legacy that I've been able to see just while I've been blessed to be pastor here. It's been cool to, uh, to sometimes catch a, a glimmer. You know, there was a time when, when, when Nate preached. And I remember the way that his son Silas and Dietrich were looking at him as he was preaching. I thought, man, what, what effect is that having on these young kids' mind as they see their dad celebrating Jesus in this way? I can think of servants upon servants who've showed up at church events before anybody from the community was there and they were unloading trucks. They were setting up tables, and their kids are watching, like, huh, this is what we do? This is how we flow? This is how we conduct ourselves? Okay, we serve. That's a part of what it means to be in this family. We, we love. You see, family, there is a purpose that God uses in choosing all of us, and though you may not be Abram, he has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for us. He has a purpose for all of us to reflect his Christ-like character, and it has an impact on others. But it also checks us mentally. I, uh, I, I'm reminded constantly of, of my desire and my lack to fulfill. My desire, my lack to fulfill. So my desire is that at age 43, I can dunk on the young dude that's 19 talking stuff at the court. That's the desire. Brother Mike, it don't, it don't, line, it don't line up like that. My desire is to be like, okay, talk to my kids. I'm going to smoke y'all. Let's race. And then I start running them. <laughs> you know, the windpipes don't work like they used to, Robert. You know what I'm saying? It, it, that there's a desire. See, you and I know that on a spiritual level. There's a, 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 a if you can be honest with yourself, there was a time in your life where you didn't just, I believe God is everything and everything I do will flow from who God is and I'm going to walk in holiness in all ways and if anyone gets into an argument with me, my tongue is going to be so holy that they just say, I'm sorry, I didn't know I was interacting with the presence of the Lord. Like, like, like 
if we can be honest, there's some chapters in our lives where we were not. And God says, I know, I saw that. And yet I chose you to bear fruit. And yet I chose you to reflect me. Yet I chose you to be connected to me. Yet I chose you to be on full display my love unto a world that is broken. If you think that you were the one that chose me, you can't choose to jump, jump higher than you want to. How are you going to choose a holy God? And so we need to be reminded and even put in our place in a healthy way, humbled in a healthy way, reminded in a healthy way that we need an almighty and powerful God for every aspect of our faith journey. You see, this aspect of the faith journey is talking to the disciples. The disciples have already walked with Jesus. This is not the come follow me journey where this is them coming to be saved, though God chooses you there too. This is a journey of now what will your fruit look like? And he looks at each and every one of us and says, I've got something unique for you to display. I'm choosing you to reflect it. Because you wouldn't choose this of your own will. You don't have the ability to choose how I'm going to manifest myself in you. And so verse 1 is, I mean, verse 16 is, you did not choose me, but I chose you. But we got to get our history down, and sometimes we learn about the beauty of the gospel so we can understand God and understand how he works. There's not always a direct application to us. That happens in this next few words in verse 16. It says, and appointed you. Now, this appointment is, 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 is language for apostle, an apostolic succession, an appointment. An apostle is different than a disciple. Disciple is a learner, a person learning to understand who this Jesus is, walk with him and get a good understanding. An apostle is a sent messenger with a task to advance the gospel. So in this group, the 12 are the apostles. There are varying Christian denominations. Some believe that everybody in the church are apostles and some believe that there are no apostles. And you got these wide range of differences. Jesus, though, is speaking to this 12, and he's saying, I am giving you a, a mission. I'm giving you a task. I am imparting unto you the success of the church. You are chosen for the mission to advance the gospel. That is going to be the fruit-bearing aspect of these 12. They are apostles. You may be a, an apostle. I don't know. I won't speak to what God is doing in your life. I am a pastor. I am a teacher. It is cool, though, because there's like a person who is a teacher, and then there's people who have the teaching, like 
operation, right? Like we all have friends that got kids and we all have kids and we all have uh, neighbors and children. So you all in the room are teachers because you pour into others. But I think Charles is the only one in the room, Andrew, that's actually a teacher, that they spend a majority of their time and their focus during the day trying to teach others. That's kind of the framework for if you were to try to wrap your mind around a disciple and an apostle. We all got the mission of advancing the gospel but it was more on the shoulders of these 12 than it has been for you and I. But that don't let you and I off the hook. You can't be like, well, I know he three and he don't know how to wipe his nose, but I'm not his teacher. You, as a parent, you don't get to say that. You know, as you, you still and, and we as believers are still called to look at how the disciples behaved, how they sat at the feet of Jesus, how they drew near to him, how they stayed close. Part of their fruit was to go and spread the message. So we were chosen with a purpose. We get to see that purpose played out. But one of the things I love is that, is that as, as that purpose gets played out, it takes place in a, in, a, in a unique manner. Each of the disciples went to different places, and each of the apostles were spread out, went to different places, and had different challenges. And I, and I love that, that God displays his fruit uniquely in each of you in a different way. This, uh, we got the, 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 the marathon going on, y'all. And uh, there's two guys that they say go down as like the best runners of all time. A guy named Haile Gabraslasi. Dang, I tried, y'all. He watching, brother, we love you. This was a, a, an Ethiopian brother. He dominated long-distance running from the 90s and the 2000s, winning Berlin Marathon four times consecutively, Dubai Marathon three times consecutively, four world championship titles, and two Olympic golds. During his career, he set an astounding 27 world records, and in 2008, he beat his own world record at the Berlin Marathon. Another brother named Eliud Kupchugi, and that brother, I believe they say, and I'm, I, I checked it twice, but whenever I look at stuff like this, it's like debated upon the timing, you know? But they said this brother uh, is the current world record holder for the marathon and the first person to get under two hours in running a marathon. Uh, y'all, if that's the fruit I'm supposed to wear, if that's, if I, if I go to get in a marathon and I base my marathon on what they did, good night. Good, it's not going to happen. 
It's, 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 and, and sadly, what happens sometimes is we as believers come together and we begin to do life together and we start looking at, oh, look at her gifts. Look at his gifts. Look at their fruit. Look at that fruit. And that's not what God is calling you to. God is calling you to run the race according to your pace. Reflect the fruit according to the fruit he's birthed in you. He's chosen a path for you. He's got it laid out. He's got something beautiful in you. And let it flourish. And so we're chosen with a purpose. Chosen to bear fruit. Chosen to abide as it says. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Or in another word or another translation, or that your fruit should remain, that you reflect Jesus and then you stay clinging to Jesus. That word is continuous. It means we need to continue to draw from him over and over and over again. But then he, he keeps, a, keeps humbling us. There's going to be some crazy miracles that take place when you operate like this. The apostles were going to see some stuff happen that was that was would blow their mind. And Jesus says in verse into verse 16, he says. You should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the father, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. Whatever you ask the father in my name. In my name, I, 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 would, um, I would imagine that, that if things started to happen when we prayed in your name, your head might get a little big. You know what I'm saying? The, the engine ain't working. We done seen the engine fall out the car. We say... Lord, in Alicia's name, would you just fix this, this engine? The engine just popped back up. You know? We say, in Edith's name, would you just bring forth a job? And in two days, a job, boom. Like we, If we were to begin to pray in one another's name, who would begin to get the glory when it takes place? We're, we're prone to start to take a little bit of credit. Even now, sometimes when we pray, if you don't say God's name, you might be like, oh, I prayed it. How, which way did I pray it? I'm going to pray it like that again because he was answering. And what this does is remind us God's will, us. Line up with God's will. And in his name, we give him glory. Why? Because even through prayer, he wants his name exalted. Even through prayer, he wants to get the glory. Even through prayer, even through our seeking, even through our coming to him and making these requests, he wants to be the one that says, good that you acknowledge it was me and me alone. 
So we draw close to him. We cling to him. We get to see the beauty of being chosen, chosen for a purpose and, a, and watching the beauty of what it looks like when his appointed people go out and we get a chance to be affected by that. We were chosen to bear fruit and to abide. We were chosen to pray. Chosen to pray and stay close. And lastly, we were chosen to love. Look what it says in verse 17. I want, I want to, no, I can't, I can't go there yet. Go back to John 11. We were in John 15. Go forward for just four quick uh, chapters from, verse, from chapter 15 to John chapter 11. Because I want you to see Jesus modeling this type of prayer. John chapter 11. We're going to scroll down, but start in verse 1. And then we're going to jump to 4, we're going to jump to 14, but stay in John chapter 11. Verse 1 says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Go down to verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Uh, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So, hey, there's a situation where this death is going to take place, don't typically lead towards this end, but in this situation, so that God can be glorified, this is where it's headed. Verse 14 through 15, we're still in chapter 11, you're going down. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, so let us go to him. So now Lazarus has passed away, but there's, a, there's something that's going to happen, and I want y'all to be able to see it. So for your sake, I wasn't there, but now y'all come with me. I'm, let's go there together. Start with verse 38, still in chapter 11. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then look, listen to verse 41 and 42. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, he prays, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe you sent me. But he's praying in the Father's name so that now when this prayer gets answered, there ain't no question who it was that did it. Jesus is pointing back to the Father. Jesus is modeling this prayer. Jesus is demonstrating and showing us. Don't believe simply in me. Believe in the one who sent me. Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out 
his hands and feet bound with linen straps, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Who do you think the people that day gave the glory to? Said, Jesus, look what you did. Father, look how you sent him. May we pray like that. It's not simply, oh, just say my name, Father, and it's good. No, may we align our, our passions, our hearts, our desires. May we seek him. May we want ultimately his name to be glorified. And so we've chosen for a purpose, chosen to bear fruit and abide, chosen to pray, and now chosen to love. Look with me back, chapter 15, still in the book of John, verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Remember, we, we talked about love last week and verse 12 and 17 kind of like operated a little bit as bookends here. The whole goal is that you would abide in Christ. That is the goal, that you would be connected to Christ. But what comes out of that connection, what comes out of that love, what comes out of that depth of being in Jesus and abiding in him, drawing closely to him, being intimately connected to him is love. And I'm, uh, I'm blown away by, by, by the stories of the different disciples. I mean, you think of Peter. Peter was a little bit wild. He was a little bit of a, uh, uh, maybe a little more impulsive than, than, than some would like. But Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says, says this about Peter. It says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Like the church is seen as being built out from Peter. And do you know the thing that Peter is most known for from a godly perspective? Love. Whole church built on the man, right? Like, like Jesus associated his church with Peter and the thing he's known most for, the thing that he's supposed to display, the thing that's supposed to be the shining accolade to his name is not church builder. It's not church planter. It's not rock. It is love. Love. And you can mess up some stuff. You can, you can jack up some stuff, y'all. But be known for being loving. Be known for loving one another. Be known for, for making that effort to love even when it's difficult, even when misunderstood, even when you jack up some stuff. I remember in the, the first years of us having, having Mac development, I was a sister that was on our staff and just an amazing servant. And... Uh, and I still like try to forgive myself for this, but I, it was a season where I was processing uh, all of our administrative things. So I was the one processing our checks. And uh, we would, the check had to go in two weeks beforehand so it would come out on time. And it was a number of times that I was late processing the checks. Messed up this sister being able to pay her stuff on time. 
I remember looking at her and tears in her eyes, tears in my eyes, and I'm just sorry. I, just, I, know, I know I've put her in a jam. And, uh, and yet, there were times later where after, you know, she was able to forgive me, she said, I know, I know you jacked those things up. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was not convenient. But in another conversation, she said, but I still knew you loved my family. And, it, and, and, and family, I just, I want you to hear these words, that it is not most important that you be perfect, it's not most important that your past be spotless. Jesus is in charge of clean cleansing your past. He's in charge of telling Satan, you stay at bay. You can't attack my child. But what we are in charge of is loving. It's being known by that trait. And I want to say on your last breath that will the people come around and say, great accountant, Oh, man, she used to clean like none other. Boy, you know she could cook. That boy could run fast. You remember how he used to dunk? All, okay, so, so what's going to be the main characteristic that people know you by? It's a simple test we can do today. See, I'm, I'm sometimes scared to ask that question, Pastor. I'm scared to ask the question. Hey, if I was to go today, what would you know me for? Humbling what that answer might be. Might be some good stuff. Help some people get some food. Taught some stuff. You would you be there to help me carry something in the house if it was heavy? Oh, you was a funny person. You was, all those things don't matter if it's not love. So church family, let our being chosen be clear what we're chosen for. It's not of our own strength that we've been selected to represent Jesus. No, it is Jesus saying, I see in you the ability to represent my fruit, and I'm going to delight in you through seeing my fruit flourish in you. Cling to me. Abide in me. Dwell in me. Stay connected to me. And as you do so, Love one another. Let us pray. Lord, we all have stories of, of hurt, of hurting one another, of being hurt. But Lord, ultimately, we hurt you when we chose not to, not to operate in ways that would bring you joy, when we've chosen to sin against you. And the crazy part is, is that you continue to remain with arms open, welcoming us and wanting to receive us when we choose to repent. So help us be a people who repent. Help us to be a people who uh, realize the sin that we've committed and that we want to be free from it as we do life in you. But Lord, it's, it's almost like a... a a pop that's being shaken up, Lord, with just all this energy inside where you just, you just have your love ready to explode out of us 
And Father, will we bridle it? Will we contain it? Will we keep it at bay? Or will we let, let it come to the surface and bubble over, Lord, into the lives of others? Show us how to love. And then equip us to do so. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Thank you for choosing. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Family, if you are hearing these words, you may say, well, man, that's, that's cool to hear these disciples that were chosen to go on and do great things, to build the church, to go and evangelize. But I don't even know if I've been chosen in Christ, then, then today you have the opportunity. I, I can't determine all that for you. What I do know is today you have an opportunity. As you hear today about who Jesus is, that he loves you enough to die for you, that your sins would be separated from you, that when he looks at you, he looks at his child. And when God looks at you, he looks at you and says, oh, I see her through the blood of Christ, forgiven. You see, that is the state of, of reality, the spiritual state we want for you, but you got to accept it. You got to believe that Jesus died for you. And when you believe that, when you accept that into your heart, then you can truly live for him and live free, free from people, free from expectations, free to be the loving person that he desires for you to be. And so if you would like to live that life, then we ask, I ask that you repeat after me, Lord, I was a sinner in need of you and you were willing to die for me. Thank you that I am no longer a slave to sin, but I am now a slave to righteousness and joy. Fill me with your spirit so I can know how to live for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that, uh, that you've said that prayer, uh, believing it in your heart, and that today would be the first day of you walking with Christ. Uh, and if you are continuing to walk with Christ, that you would be encouraged to let your love shine. We are going to continue in worship and take communion at this time. And if you accepted Jesus, please uh, reach out to us as a church. We would love to talk with you. Uh, sorry, Charles, I'm going to merge this one. As a church, we would love to re work out, reach out, connect with you. So we have a prayer line, and our phone number is 313-444-0036. If you've accepted Jesus, call us. Let's connect. We want to connect with you as a church. But if you just need prayer, we would love to be praying with you. And those that are present, uh, I will be up front and would love to pray with you afterwards if you uh, desire to be prayed for. And if you want to say, Lord, I just want to grow in knowing how to love you, and come, I want to pray for you.